Hey, Invite the Neighbors DIY podcast is sponsored by Two Foot Parade Records. Uh, Two Foot Parade Records is based out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. For those of you not in Michigan, Kalamazoo is a real place. Um, I promise. It's on the west side. Um, They have a new release on March 5th, um, which is a re-release of Closet Goth's album called Friendship Village. And it's a tape that comes with a digital zine, so check that the fuck out. Um, And uh, Gabe, let me know if you don't want me to say fuck during the ads. Uh, (laughs) But anyways, they are a really cool um, record label. They're all about like kind of giving the power to the artists. Um, so, I mean, that's honestly great and it lends itself to DIY bands. So if you want to check them out, they, they take submissions on their website, twofootparade.com. Um, and you can find all their stuff there. They have, uh, Ness Lake recently put out a tape on the label and uh, worry club also put out a tape recently on their record label. So check out twofootparade.com. Welcome to yet another episode of invite the neighbors or how are you not sick of this by now? He said to himself, um, on this episode, <laughs> we had Leonore Ortega Till, the saxophonist from Five Iron Frenzy from Denver, Colorado. Five Iron Frenzy's been a band since 1995, since I was four years old. Um, some of you motherfuckers are not as old as this band, but Leonore and I had a wonderful conversation. I read her mind a couple times, and she admits it. It was great. It was honestly, it was a great episode. It was fun to do, and like, you know, there was there was no sort of age gap. I'd never felt that, not once. I just felt like it just felt like two musicians just talking about being a musician. And she has a really great positive outlook, and a, it's just really entertaining to hear her story, um, or not necessarily her story, but her just like talking about her experience in this band. Um, and Five Iron Frenzy has a new record. Um, called Until This Shakes Apart which is on Spotify you can find it anywhere you stream music now check that out um, and if you want to advertise on this podcast like you heard in the beginning hit us up at invitetheneighbors at gmail.com and yeah just send us an email um, we have very very reasonable rates we just want to like if you are putting out a record or if you have a record label or if you just have some sort of service, it doesn't even have to be music related. People in a lot of different states and even different countries listen to the episodes of this podcast. And so for a very small amount um, of money, you can have your message right at the beginning of the episode, just like you heard there. Like I said, invite the neighbors at gmail.com and let's talk. Like I said, it's, it's affordable. Anyone can afford it. I promise anyone. So hit us up. Um, Anyways, follow the podcast, invite the neighbors on Instagram at ITNPod on Twitter. Um, I got to go take my duvet cover out of the dryer. So here's the episode. Start whenever you so, want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, I don't know if they kind of gave you the the whole deal about the podcast, but it's, it's, it's not like a normal interview. It's just very, just like conversational. Like, very cool. Me, Perfect. Yeah. Like, I'm a musician. My co host isn't here, but they're a musician too. And like, we just kind of, shoot the shit with other musicians and kind of just, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times like, you know, you guys have a record that came out. Um, so, you know, people will come here all the time and we'll talk about like what, whatever it is that promoting, but also we'll talk about just whatever, like their history as a musician. And, you know, obviously I don't expect you to speak for your entire band. So I'm just, I'll be, mm-hmm. you know, naturally wanting to know, like, so how you got into music, but I think where we can kind of start is, um, 
just like with the with the record that you guys just put out um until this shakes apart so kind of how long have you guys been like which how many records is this for you guys now (laughs) i don't even really know so (laughs) maybe 10 11 12 i don't know because honestly we did so many albums and then we did some eps and then we did some live albums that are kind of like the other songs which could be like greatest hits i don't know we've been a band since 95 so honestly i could look at wikipedia and know but we yeah so we did an album in 96 97 98 99 we did so many things so but as far as when we got back together we broke up for nine years and then five iron frenzy got back together in 2011 and this is our second album since 2011 oh okay yeah, so I was going to say that maybe a better way to rephrase it would be how long have you been a band, but you just answered that for me since 95. And uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, but we broke up for nine years. R- right, right. Um, now, <laughs> like when you guys when you guys broke up, um, so you guys have been a band since I was four years old, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, when you guys broke up, was that just the type of thing where it was it like a mutual thing where you just been doing it for so long that you wanted to just kind of like live your lives outside of music or was it like, uh, you guys just needed a break from each other or what was that about? You just totally nailed both pieces perfectly. Are you oh. like, how did you know that? <laughs> like a, if I'm, I were to I'm say a, it, I couldn't I've have said it more concise. Yeah. Those are the <laughs> two key pieces. Like we had a, um, like a meeting kind of like we used to have band retreats basically because, you know, our band was our lives and was our livelihood. And so we were all talking about how much longer do you guys want to do this? And you're right when you said we wanted to try different things, because I was 18 when I joined the band. And I think I was 25 when we broke up. And like from 18 to 25, that's the only thing I had really done. So for a lot of us, it was like, yeah, let's try plan B of our lives. Right. And then similarly to what you said, like, not that we didn't love each other, but you can only have so many other deep relationships when you're in a band. So I think all of us, a lot of people were starting to couple up and it was time to, you know, try partnerships and not be in the band anymore. Yeah. I would liken it to, you know, and obviously the, the, where I'm coming from here is just a is speculation because like I've, I've only been in bands for like a few years, even though I'm 30, like I've only been mm-hmm. in, playing in bands for a few years and like, I haven't been on tour or anything like that yet. And just as I was getting ready to start, thinking about that, putting a record out, you know, obviously the pandemic happened and that kind of put a halt on things. But so I'm just coming from a place of speculation. So these are just my best guests. Just happy to guess really well. (laughs) (laughs) No, really good. Yeah. And and it was cool because we decided we were going to break up. And so the last year of our band, which was 2003, we decided we're going to put out a full length. We're going to put out a live album, which will be the recordings of our last tour. We'll tour for about three months hitting all of our key cities so we can say goodbye to all our friends. And then it'll culminate with one big last show in Denver. And that's exactly what we did. And people flew out and drove out from everywhere. And um, yeah, in November 22nd, I think it was 2003 was our last show ever until 2011 when we got back together. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, and was that the type of thing too, where I'm going to guess again, so like got back together. Cause like, um, I imagine like, you know, you had some time apart, you said nine years, like, you know, that's, that's definitely enough time to like, if you're going to get the itch again, that's enough time for it to, to come. And I feel like it would be really difficult to like 
lo- so like logistically getting an entire band together because you guys are like a ska type of lineup where you have like <laughs> yeah. a full punk band plus horns section. So like logistically, I'm curious, like did the whole band get back together or was it like um, were you missing people or just what was it like getting we- back together? Yeah, we only had one person that decided not to sign on again. And so that's pretty miraculous when you're talking eight people. Um, We had had one guitarist. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. We had one guitarist that had stopped being in our band and had gotten replaced. And now that we got back together, he's back in the band and he's playing with his replacement. So he said, I'll just play bass and you play guitar since you replaced me on guitar. And then our former bassist sat this round round out. So he's still our friend, but he just didn't want to be in the band anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's always problems with bassists. That's that's always where you run into problems. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> I I was just joking. I was at yeah. No, I was just at band practice the other day, and like we were just talking about how like I just happen to be in two bands where we don't have a bass player, and oh. like, that's always where I've run into problems. It's like it's like a cursed position, but huh. I'll keep but that in mind. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so. I'm just, I'm curious too, like what, so around the, when you guys were, you know, like the first era of your band, mm-hmm. we'll call it two different eras. Okay. So like when you're touring and stuff, eight people, I mean, what does that look like? I mean, how are you getting around? Is it one van, two vans with a trailer? Like what is, I mean, I, I imagine like everyone getting out of a, of the van, like a clown car, like they just keep coming out. <laughs> like, yeah. what was that like? Our first ever real legit tour, and maybe our first two tours, we took two vehicles. So we had a van and then like a little sedan. Um, And the sedan didn't have any air conditioning. And so that was brutal driving through, you know, all the desert area of California, Death Valley and whatever. But then later, when we went on Warp Tour, we decided to buy a school bus. So we paid like $35,000 for a school bus, gutted it out, you know, had a guy fabricate eight bunks eight captain's chairs we had cubbies we had a legit um a legit area for a massive big tv so the guys back in the day they'd play goldeneye if you remember that game yeah yeah that's like the first video game (laughs) wow that is awesome okay so that's definitely the coolest answer i've got to that question so far doing yeah living on a school bus and we lived on it i mean off and on for several years it was amazing and then in the beginning we we had with us a horse trailer i guess we bought that because it was cheaper than another trailer but we went through several nasty gnarly trailers with that bus and yeah we looked crazy but it was so fun i love that bus that's i mean that's awesome like who cares what you look like you know what i mean like if anything like looking crazy would just like add to the fun of it i would imagine it was so comfortable we had air conditioning at festivals we had you know these Back in the day, you know, those captain's chairs, they lean all the way back. They swivel like you have your own life. I had my cubby. I had glow in the dark stars in my bunk. It was amazing. It was beautiful. I loved everything about it. That's so rad. And like mm-hmm. what um, did you guys were you guys ever on Warp Tour? One time, I think it was 2002. We were on Warp Tour. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause like 2005 was my first year. That's, I was just trying to because I was like a Warp Tour kid, you know, mm-hmm. like I went every year for like eight years from 2005 to 2013 every year in Detroit so that was like my dream that's what really made me want to be musicians for at first was just going to warp tour and just like mm-hmm. seeing all the musicians like mingle among the fans and things right. like that and 
you said you guys played some festivals so like was it the type like when you're playing a music festival because i imagine like i hope to the one point get to the point where i'm a band i'm playing a festival and i feel like for me the thing i would be most excited about besides playing is being at a festival for free <laughs> and you get Absolutely. to go watch a bunch of bands so was that kind of your guys's experience yeah, like for us on Warp Tour, we were on Warp Tour the year it was Bad Religion, No Effects, Andrew WK, Alkaline Trio. Like I befriended them and I got to be on the stage every night they played. Like that's surreal. Um, there was this band Flinch that was really good. Yeah, it was so fun. Got to know all these cool band members hanging out. Different festivals too. It's like get to see all these shows, amazing shows. I like... um just hanging out with people at a festival and like sitting in the grass, watching the uh, sunset in the distance and hearing live music, nothing better. Yeah, that, that is really awesome. I was actually, um, I was at riot fest last year and it just made me think of something like the, I saw the flaming lips at riot fest mm, and yeah. it was so awesome. But like the singer came out and like before there's like the sun was just going down and he was just like, wow, this is amazing. Cause you never see like artists <laughs> really just straight up say that a right. lot it's like a lot of times mm -hmm. they're just trying to be cool or whatever they have like their persona but he was just like wow look at the sunrise i mean the sunset everybody <laughs> yeah. and i was just like this guy is my favorite person automatically <laughs> no the the time that i saw the flaming lips was at red rocks and they had um, oh my so god that's awesome red rocks is already gorgeous and for them they had all those massive hamster balls that people can get in yeah. and then they had a choir of santa claus people singing in Santa Claus outfits. And I was like, I wish I was in Flaming Lips. They give the best stage show ever. Yeah. But so he was in, um, when I saw him, he was in uh, one of those big uh, hamster ball blow up balls yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And he was crowd surfing in that thing. And I yep, was just like, I think they're, wow. <laughs> I think they're called Zorbs. We went to New Zealand last year and uh, <laughs> paid for my kids to go in the Zorbs. It was so cool. Oh, wow. Did you ever... Um, did you say we did you, like you and your family or did you like go? Yeah. As a band? So like, no, me and my husband went and our two kids, but we did go as a band. Um, we went as a band. I don't remember what year, but I think maybe it was 2000 or maybe 1999. We went as a band to New Zealand for three weeks and it was amazing. It was surreal. And so when we went, I mean, we were there for a while and I made such good friends that through the years I stayed friends with them. And I said to my husband and my kids, someday I want to take you guys to New Zealand. And so I saved money for like three years and we just went um, for four weeks last year and stayed with the people that I met when I was, you know, single and young and in five art. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. I feel yeah. Like I have a, I have a 14 year old son and a 13 year old daughter. So I'm not a spring chicken. I'm, I don't know how old your mom is. I'm 44. <laughs> Oh, my mom is, uh, she's like 50. Oh, she's, she doesn't listen to this podcast. She's like 50. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I'm about in between you and your mom. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I have young parents and my, my, my parents got me into music. Like my, and growing up oh. with my dad's, it was always like, they're not musicians, but like mm -hmm. they were just rockers, you know, like mm -hmm. yeah. growing up, it was Metallica, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. I had all those records just lying around the house. You know, mm -hmm. when I say records, I mean tapes and CDs. <laughs> I don't have yeah. any records. Well, what do you but play? I play guitar and I sing. Um, nice. Yeah. I, you know, I have a drum set in my basement that belongs to my buddy and I, I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully I can learn it. I've mm -hmm. never been able to play drums. I've always been terrible, but I got into music playing clarinet, 
which yeah. was weird. That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was like a school band type thing in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. They were like, you guys want to be in the band? And I was like, my stepmom had a clarinet. So I was like, yeah, I'll play that. And you know, lo and behold, that like completely set off a course that now it's all I want to do with my life is play music. So I was just like, okay, thank you, clarinet. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about saxophone. I was nine years old and my dad got one at a pawn shop and we had a music room when I was a kid. So he was really into Motown and my mom was in college. And so we would just be rocking out, my dad and I, just making up our own songs. He'd play trumpet and he'd play piano and we would make up like dance moves, like the four tops and the temptations, like with spinning and everything. Oh, that's sweet. (laughs) Really good times. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it it was a little bit different because like, when I started playing guitar, it was during a very rebellious stage. I was like such a typical like punk mm-hmm. kid wearing like tight. I mean, in my era, when I was in eighth grade is when it all started. And like, that's when like guys would start wearing girl pants to school mm-hmm. and stuff like that and long hair. My dad was just like, didn't understand it at all. It looks so different than like his era of what the kids were doing, you know? So like I, I'd be in my room all the time playing guitar and my dad would just all he really cared about was like wanting to make sure that I was like doing good in school and you know, he's a good dad and everything, but like he didn't realize that I was actually getting good at guitar. And then I, mm-hmm. I don't think he realized until like I came home from college one day and I brought my guitar and I was playing and he was like, Oh, <laughs> he's like, you actually, you actually been, you actually stuck with it. I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> and then he, that then he is awesome. That's so yeah. cool. That's yeah. really encouraging. Yeah, so like you know, eventually he saw he saw a band I was in play, and mm-hmm. he realized that because um, I think when I first told him I wanted to be a musician, it was like any parent, well, not any parent, but a lot of them would just be like, "Oh, you sure about that?" Um, I don't, I don't know how you keep doing this, but you like read my brain every time you say something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I um, one, I'm I'm obsessed with music, and I'm obsessed. Mm-hmm. I've always like all my favorite bands growing up. I'd always read their Wikipedia pages. I, I completely mm-hmm. nerd out and I listen to interviews on all things like that. And I don't know the reason I got into podcasting because I f- I felt like I'm good at just intuiting things, and I'm good mm-hmm. at like you know kind of figuring out you know directing conversations. And I feel like I can put myself in the minds of other musicians a lot of times just because like I feel like at my core that's what I am more than anything else. So I, I just, that's been my experience my whole life is is just like I'm a musician at heart. So I think I kind of, I could get it to a certain extent, you know, enough to be interested in the experience I, of other musicians. Yeah, I had a very similar situation, kind of what you're saying about like the dad thing. Because for me, my dad was super proud of me being a musician when I played saxophone. But when I told him at, you know, 19, I'm going to quit college and I'm going to tour with seven guys and I have this strict Mexican-American dad that's like, no, you're not. Right. <laughs> you know, especially being the only female. Um, he was not happy. And he he wasn't stoked about that. And it wasn't until a few years later that we were, you know, playing a sold out show in Denver to thousands of kids with Reliant K opening up that he really oh, started awesome. to think, yeah, he started to think it was legit and he, his heart really did change. And now he's super proud of me, super supportive. That's great. See, I, R- Reliant K, I might have to ask you a couple questions about them just because like, because <laughs> okay. I just, they were one of my favorite bands when yeah. I was a kid. I have, I have a Reliant K tattoo. That's like the one. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's it's like, it's nerdy and I don't tell a lot of people that because. I don't know which album it was, but the one where they're like running. They're running and run- there's one where all the artwork is kind of like track and field. 
And uh, uh, that's I was probably one of the earlier ones. I was super touched because they thanked me in the album. And so that was the one that came out when we were on tour with them. But the tour before then is when they had Closer and then they also were playing um, Sadie Hawkins Dance. Um, yeah, that's that's really, the one I think that kind of took off for them. Yeah, that one. And then I think that one about Back to the Future. Um, just some really fun songs. They were such cool guys. And it was when Brian was the drummer back. No, there was a guy named Dave, I think think it was the first drummer and then brian was on bass it was an older lineup but matt and matt are always just super sweet guys super nice guys that's what i kind of imagine see like the the, the record that i have the tattoo of is uh it's called forget and not slow down i think it, was, it mm-hmm. came out in 2009 and it was like the first time they went away from like the it wasn't like a straight punk sounding record it was it was mm-hmm. more I don't know. It was more, I guess, a little bit more soulful. That's not the right mm. word necessarily musically, but it was, it was a little bit more nuanced. It was matured. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah, it wasn't I do. Just like a, mm-hmm. it was emotionally, it was more emotionally complex, and it was, it was about like moving on and like mm-hmm. letting the past be the past type thing. And I, at that point in my life, yeah. I was freshman in college, and I was really starting to try to figure out who I was. So it was just a really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, when, you know, those records that in your formative years that they just stick with you. And I'm, this makes me think of a question. So like, you know, when you were maybe at that age, when you're first starting to play in bands and things like that, what are some records you think that like stuck with you and that like were really inspirational to you in, in like in those formative times? Yeah, I think, um, Op Ivy, like Operation Ivy pretty much only put out their album, but that was like one of the first really fast ska without horns but songs about unity, songs that were joking around, songs about music, that just blew my mind. Um, Bad Religion, their albums that really spoke to me were Suffer, Against the Grain, and No Control. And some of those themes for me, a um, little bit about me, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And so I was kind of wrestling with what I believed, but also Bad Religion was formative to me because it helped me figure out what I didn't believe. And then once I heard ah. an idea that I didn't believe, I'd be like, Actually, I think that's a strong and valid argument, but it helps me recognize what I do believe. Um, and I do really respect them for their beliefs too, but they were helpful and formative for me. Um, yeah, just really liked a lot of, I don't know, like kind of fight the system, like Rage Against the Machine. Honestly, yeah. the first time that I heard their song and their music with their funk and the beats, but also the, um, I don't want to just use the word political, but just the idea of hope you can be so angry that it's hopeful. Like we are so pissed off at society and we know we can do better. So the reason we're complaining is not because we want to give up. We want to complain because we want a better society. And that's kind of the type of music that just really got me excited, you know, for a better society. Yeah. The anger becomes like a motivator, you know, it's like, yeah, Yeah. it's, you can channel it into something, you know, have you listened to our new album yet until it shakes apart? Did you listen to it? I listened to I listened to some of it today and what my the main thing that I I I didn't like listen with a fine tooth comb, you know, Mm -hmm. but I did the one thing that kind of stood out and I listened to the other um, your like top five songs on Spotify, too. And uh, Mm -hmm. what stood out the most to me was like I've been aware of your band for a long time, which I, I thought it was like. I've had a few different bands come on that I was just like, I never really was like a fan because of like, I wasn't into the genre very much. Mm -hmm. I was more like into emo and things like that. But what stood out to me is like the fact that it's technically, I guess you would be billed as ska, but it's not. (laughs) Rock with horns. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like, it's not like 
blast beat punk type like super fast drums type punk music with horns it's 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 more mm-hmm. of like alternative it it reminds me of like pop punk with mm-hmm. horns and or like emo or like al- alternative rock with horns like it's it's mm-hmm. more nuanced i think than than traditional ska which i really enjoyed i really liked it a lot and like honestly i didn't have expectations going in that i would like it or not like it because like yeah. i said i'm just never really got into ska but like i was pleasantly surprised by like the song structures like there's the one like something about a unicorn and glitter like that song is awesome. <laughs> yeah we made a video for that you might want to uh, youtube that video uh it's pretty fun we've had a lot of fun through the years that's the kind of crazy thing is we have eight people and we have one guy that is such a metal head and we have some guys that are totally into punk we have some one guy that's, that is into pop punk i'm more into like dirty gnarly like 90s early 90s punk and motown um, oh, wow. We have one guy, one guy that's really into like Oingo Boingo and kind of nuanced 80s music. Um, yeah, so we're kind of like all over the place. Um, one guy that's more into like traditional ska, like Jamaican stuff. So it's interesting when you get all of our different styles together, what happens. And on the new album, we have stuff that's like Rage Against the Machine kind of angsty. We have stuff that's like late reggae. And then we have stuff that's like Weezer, like nostalgic kind of poppy stuff that's kind of what i was taking away from it too that's the stuff that stands out to me the most Mm -hmm. just i mean just personally just because like that's probably the closest to what i like even though you know i Mm -hmm. like a lot of different like radiohead is my favorite band you know like oh yeah but i also Mm -hmm. i fucking love radiohead but you know at the same time my my formative influences were green day blink 182 um yeah you know bands like that and then it'd be turned into emo so like I can mm-hmm. I can hear all those influences in you guys because I don't know and not this isn't just ska this is any genre when it's just mm-hmm. like when the band is just clearly one thing and mm-hmm. they just do that one thing and they do it album after album after album and it's just it it, it doesn't interest me personally I right. like I I like when a band can do something like you can fit in with ska bands but you're doing it your own way like no one's going to confuse your band with another band Right. You know right. what I mean? Without mm-hmm, without yeah. it being too it's not inaccessible. It's like you can listen and hear it. It's like, okay, this doesn't like this isn't so crazy different that like I'm having a hard time grasping what it is and placing it, but it's also it's not less than Jake. You know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of came not, to my mind. I do. Yeah. I did think we're on the same wavelength, dude. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um the band that I think of again, I mentioned Bad Religion and some people will say they don't like them because they're like, well, they play one song. They play a really good song, but it's always the same. And yeah. I will be honest, like I have about 10 albums of theirs I like, maybe seven, but they have so many albums. It's like, I don't feel I need to learn their whole new catalog because with the first, you know, six or seven, I have it all that I need. You know, I don't yeah. I don't mean to sound rude and it's not like I'm a, not a fan, but that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. But when you take a band like the Beatles they evolved so much. Like if you hear early Beatles or hippie Beatles or rough around the edges or love Beatles, or, you know, they had so many sounds that it it evolved very well is what I'm kind of hearing you say. And it's nice to have those songs and those artists that just, even Metallica did it. Metallica even kind of grew, you know, in their styles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a band that kind of comes to mind when, when, as a band that like, had a million albums was uh newfound glory like because when mm-hmm. they were first i 
I loved them when I was a kid. I still will go back and listen to like the first four or five albums by them. But like, like you said, mm-hmm. at a certain point, uh, I mean, obviously they're doing what they love, but it, it doesn't, it's, it hasn't changed enough to me to where it's like, like exactly what mm-hmm. you said. Like I, I, I've got what I've wanted from them out of those first mm-hmm. five or whatever albums and like to go and try to learn all the new stuff too. It's like naturally your taste changes and naturally you're going to want to branch out and find new stuff. And I think it, it's kind of inspired me as a musician. Like I just, I'm putting out my first record this year, but like, I think I want to be like purposeful about making the next one different. Like I, I want to like m- definitely make sure that I start early and, and like set a precedent that like we're going to change from record to record so that people don't expect, they don't know what to expect by like album three or four. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping people are really just like, okay, what is this going to be in an excited way? Yeah. Just the only emo bands I really got into. So the first time I heard the word emo, I was in a warehouse. It was probably 96, maybe 97. <laughs> um, I don't know. I was watching this band. There was about 50 people there. And this guy came up to me who was the drummer in the band after the show. And he's like, did you like our set? And I was like, yeah, it's cool. I was like, I haven't really heard this music. And he's like, it's called emo. And I was like, oh yeah, what's the name of your band again? And he handed me this tape and he's like, here's a little sampler. We're called Jimmy Eat World. And I was like, oh, that was oh cool. wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, you guys will probably That's do pretty great. good. I was like, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are. Uh... That's a good that's, band. That's, now that's a band that evolves again. I think they have yep. some really awesome staying power in some of their changes. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them live a couple years ago and that was one of the better live shows I've seen too, just because mm-hmm. like they, they played through like their entire catalog. Like they picked, it was a you know, when they've been around that long, it's like a greatest hits whenever you see a show, you know, they have like seven, eight albums or something like that. But I yeah. had, uh, Lauren Israel on the podcast who is a, uh, I think he was affiliated with Capitol Records, but he was a he was the producer that kind of spearheaded Jimmy mm. World's Bleed American record. And That's my favorite one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting hearing about um what Jimmy World thought they had at the time. You know, like, yeah, I think we have mm-hmm. uh they were like humble about it. Like, yeah, I think we have a pretty good sound here. And then Lauren basically mm-hmm. heard it and was just like, we're gonna make this. <laughs> we are making this record. So that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of interesting that you had that um kind of early on experience with them too. It's just kind of a weird coincidence that I've talked to two different people now that have like had like these chance run-ins with Jimmy World in the early years. I, f- I feel mm-hmm. like <laughs> if if someone would have told me that I'd be interviewing people that even brushed up with them at a show I, you know i would have been <laughs> super excited like five ten years ago and now i'm like interviewing all these bands it's crazy to be honest mm-hmm. but, yeah um, when they made bleed americans so that was one of the first albums that we went into the studio we were due to record and on the drive out because we drove you know from denver to san francisco to record we were listening to it over and over and over and basically when we got into the studio we gave it to our producer and we said this is the vibe that we want for our new album. You know, obviously our songs are very different, but if you listen to our album, that's called Five Iron Frenzy 2 Electric Boogaloo. That's the album. (laughs) I mean, it's a ridiculous name. It's funny, but it's a very serious album. It's a dark album. We were going through difficult times. They're depressing songs. And that's kind of the one where people decide if they like us or not, because they're like, you were always funny. You were so silly. And you were always like this. They're like, this one's kind of brutal. And that's the one that I think matured us. Yeah, you know it's interesting you say that because like I've I've heard um, 
actually heard a comedian say this, but I think there's a lot of overlap just in the entertainment industry in general. Whenever you're talking about fans and 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 kind of getting your fans, you're trying to train them to see you what you want them to see about you so like you're going to kind of it's almost a good thing if you lose fans early on as you try to taper down what you are because if if you just if everyone can just be casually i guess what how about what i want to say this like when you put out a first record or something like yeah you have a lot of people that like it but then when you're what you're saying is like this is the record that's going to show you who really really likes you it's almost like Mm -hmm. you kind of want to thin out the herd a little bit without <laughs> yeah you you know what i mean just to like figure it's kinda out it's kind of like it's like when you're in a relationship and you finally have that first big fight <laughs> yeah yeah this is who i am are you going to stick around or not <laughs> yeah yeah and it, yeah that's it, i always kind of like to make that sort of uh parallel too between like being in a band and being in a relationship mm-hmm. like so you guys like when you're starting really young it's like if you get married when you're 18 it's like yeah you're you're i'm not saying you're not in love but it's also all you know and so mm-hmm. naturally, I would be wary of it just because naturally there's going to come a point when, you know, maybe around like year three, four five of the marriage or the band relationship where it's going to be like, I love you guys. Like exactly what happened to you guys. Like, I love you all. But <laughs> like I for my own good and for the good of all of us, maybe we should just see what else is out there and make sure that mm-hmm. this is real. And for you guys, you naturally came back together. So it ended up being the best thing. And then some bands never get back together. And, you know, some most marriages that end don't get back together. Some of them do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I got to be in a band with my husband in the years that we broke up, Five Iron broke up. I got to play saxophone in a local dive bar Denver band. And it was so fun. It was called, uh, the first time we started, we called ourselves Nathan and Steven. And then we changed the name to Hearts of Palms. So we did pretty well in that band. We made out of the newspaper, we made Denver's best band one year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we got to play. We made videos. We we played at Red Rocks. We would open up for Lucero. You know who Nathaniel Rateliff is in the Night Sweats? Mm Mm-mm. Okay, so if you ever look up this guy named Nathaniel Rateliff, he had a very big breakout hit that goes, son of a bitch, give me a drink. I don't know if you've heard that. He's been on like all the talk (laughs) shows. Anyway, this guy, he's from Denver and he's a friend of ours. So it was that same kind of vibe. Like Denver had a vibe of songs, which these huge bands with everybody singing and happy and smiling. And it's I don't want to say it's drinking music, but it's definitely relaxing music. You know, it's just uplifting Americana, happy stuff. And so in that band was my husband, me, my husband's two brothers, and then like four or five of our other best friends. And it was just so fun. We played weddings. We played parties. We played festivals. That was amazing. I played when I was pregnant. It was amazing. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I played. Our kids would come. You know what's up. Oh man, it was so good. Uh, th- those were just fun, happy years. And then when Five Iron got back together, I did that band a little bit more. But yeah, it was amazing. Just like you said, trying something totally new and different. What is um, what is Hearts of Palm a reference to? Because I've heard it's from um, a band called Idaho. Have you ever heard of a band called Idaho? Uh uh-uh. uh. I wish my it's co-host a- was here because they were in a band. I'm pretty sure called Hearts of Palm also, and that's why I'm trying huh. to figure out. Like, I thought that maybe they. Uh, I, I I didn't know where it was. I thought it was a cool name. But that band's not around anymore. It was just, but this is weird because it's the second time I've heard that name in a weekend, and those are the only times I've ever heard it. So that's why I was curious. Have you ever heard of a band called the Mowgli's, like on the radio? Mm-mm. Anyway, no. it's just kind of yeah. like happy music yeah. with horns. We sound similar to them. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, and I looked it's up really Nathaniel fun. Rateliff, and it looks like he was on SNL at some point. Oh, yeah, he's huge. Nathaniel Rateliff, he's amazing. And so funny because, you know, back in the day, he wasn't famous. None of us were famous. You just, Denver's got like a really good, legit musical scene. And so it could be a Thursday night at 1 a.m. and you go to the bar and you're going to see the caliber of musicianship is insane. It's amazing. Yeah. No, I, I, that's one of those places that I've never made it out to that I really want to. Denver. It sounds really great. Um, and I'm just, it's very laid back. You can just bring t shirts and jeans and you can go to a nice steak restaurant. You can go anywhere fancy. You don't have to have any fashion. (laughs) Just, (laughs) it's, it's mellow. The women are mellow. The guys are mellow. It's just chill. I love it. All that, all that legal weed out there. We got it in here in Michigan too, though. (laughs) There you (laughs) go. Pretty much every, yeah. But, um, I'm curious, um, from the time, so you guys took like a, a nice long, you know, nine year hiatus. What was when you guys came back? I mean, you said you were still playing in bands and stuff in the interim, Mm -hmm. but like what five iron probably being like a larger endeavor, like more of like a touring act than the stuff you're doing in the meantime. So like, what was, what did you guys notice? If you can remember anything like that was different from like the first go around, like, to the neck to the nine years after the breakup getting back together in terms of like how the industry worked or right right how people at shows just like you know what i mean like i'm sure you probably noticed some stuff well the first thing was from the first time when we started in 95 the first few years we got signed and we were making really good money because our albums would sell you know our albums were in the bookstores and our albums were at walmart and in target and in best buy and you know selling merch and then like, you know, 99, 98, 99, then Napster and streaming to where you're not selling albums and you have to physically tour a lot to make money, the same amount of money um, that you used to sell off of album sales. So that's very different. Then nine years, you know, come and go. I think the biggest thing for us was recording. Like back in the day when we recorded an album, when you were recording a part, especially as a horn player, You had to land it perfectly. You had to play it over and over and over. And you weren't cutting and pasting because that's basically cheating. Like you had to show that you could pull your weight. So when we went back to the studio in 2011 and I was recording, I would land a part and I'd be like, okay, it comes up three more times. And the engineer would say, oh, we don't waste money on that. We cut and paste it. And I'm like, no, I can do it. I can land it. They're like, there's no way you don't do albums like that anymore. Like, Back when we first, first, first started in 95, we recorded our album on tape, not even digitally. So it was a massive change when you're talking about um, recording is so different. Then you have all the music has, I mean, you love Radiohead. So consider this music has all these ethereal technical sounds. Now you can take all these sounds in the background. You have all these pedals, you have all these tones, electronics, even if you're a ska band, electronics are going to play a big part of your band, even to where you're touring. Now you have to reproduce this sound live and you might be using some tracks in the background for like weird textural things that you're doing, not to, you know, do the lead sing voice or whatever, but certain things that you want to be able to have there. So yeah, big changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know what you mentioned like the recording process too, and how you're not like duplicating takes you know you're just like copy and pasting things like that and mm-hmm. i think there's more of a, a movement i've noticed now with like the younger bands and 
with my band even like i when i recorded my record i not well honestly the producer i was working with like didn't so he just was really cool about just like letting me do whatever i wanted to but <laughs> i i wanted to play everything like i mean because i did play everything on the record except for the drums so mm-hmm. like i I wanted to get those subtle changes and the, my producer was really cool about it too. Like he was really into it. Like I wanted the, the subtle differences between the way I played one thing the first time and the second time. And yeah, I but the problem you, with us is you're talking a drummer, a bassist, yeah. a rhythm guitarist, a guitarist, a trombone, a saxophonist, a trumpet, <laughs> most of us doing yeah. background vocals and a lead singer. Yeah. And that's not even the auxiliary instruments. So monetarily and time, right. it takes us, you know, three weeks to record just the the key stuff it takes about a week to get just the demos so we can start recording <laughs> you know right yeah but i see yeah, your point exactly. I, I i would love doing that like i think that it has a beautiful texture when you can do it so i think that's good that, that you do do it and you care about it so much yeah you know and that's i guess that's the one good thing about being the main songwriter in a band where you know, I, I don't, I can't play drums, but I can do everything else. I can't, mm-hmm. I mean, I, obviously I can't play everything live, but in the studio, I'm putting up all the money for it and I'm not wasting anyone's time, but my own, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, you know, spending anyone's money, but my own to do it. So if it takes longer because I want it a certain way, I, I don't have to answer to anybody, you know, I yeah, that's really it. cool. But then when you yeah, uh, talk about, when you talk about playing live, the big change for us was Back in the day, you know, you get a nasty old punk club that's maybe in the basement of a pizza place. And this is like a true story. Like while we're playing, there's like cockroaches crawling at us, which is not cool. Um, right. Just playing anywhere. Right. And there's maybe like one monitor mix for eight people. Um, nowadays, when we travel and when we play, we have a very legit, very pricey in-ear system that nice. we all have our own catered in-ears that are molded to our ears. We have, uh, I think it's called Master Fader on our phones. And we even fly with this huge piece of equipment so that we can each choose, I can choose how much background vocals do I want? How much of each drum do I want in my in-ears? How much of myself? How much of, you know, the tracks, everything. And then we also have a click track in our ears that the crowd can't hear. So we super, super well play on the beat. You know, that is amazing. It takes it to the whole next level. So the app on your phone controls your your mixes of, of what you're hearing yeah. in your ears yeah That's it's called crazy. master yeah, fader yeah. and i have a track wow. for every single mic so the mics are such as you know there's one for the kick drum one for the toms one for the hi-hats one for the tracks one for click one for our lead singer and then with horns that way i don't get fatigued because normally with with horns you're straining to hear your horns plus when you yeah. see background vocals but this makes it so you can play like a two-hour set or an hour and a half set, and you don't get exhausted by just hearing drums or like bass. <laughs> Every yeah. single person in the band can control their own mix. And you don't That's have to go bother awesome. a monitor person. You just take out your phone, which looks kind of rude when you're on stage, but you can you can sound check your mix really well. Yeah. <laughs> People who don't know what's going on, they'll be like, really? Right. You're checking your text yeah. right now? <laughs> no, we usually say it. We usually say like, yeah, yeah. I know this looks rude, but we're, best, you know, we're best, we're not yelling at the monitor guy. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that, um, 
Was there any, because I'm, I'm kind of stubborn and like, I, I've thought, you know, obviously money is an issue too for me, like up making the upgrade to the in-ear monitors. But I mm-hmm. also think like playing with a click is something like I'm hesitant to do just because one, I'm afraid if you go off of it, it's hard to get on or something. But I'm just curious, like making that jump to playing like that versus like literally just having to listen. Was it only a good thing or was, was there any drawbacks to that at all? to our old songs we played them so fast to where they weren't even as musical as they could be like they lost some of the integrity musically when you play them too fast and so Uh. we went through our albums and we decided this song is going to be played at this speed and so we just have a record of that so we can practice to the click and then play to the click i think it's good for us because it keeps us tighter and it keeps us from making making it lag the last thing you want is a song to lag or go too fast so that the crowd can't really enjoy it yeah i can't think i can't think of any drawbacks yeah that's that's good i think for me like i just get intimidated by new technology like which is such a which is such a like a yeah and you're you're the guy that's making me use this this (laughs) app (laughs) yeah i know I know, and it's this so is, I was intimidated by this. This is new technology. Like, it, it is going to be intimidating. The thing, honestly, to be honest, Brian, the thing that is the only drawback from the in-ear system, and this is something you might want to consider, is that you do lose some of the sound from the crowd. Oh, so okay. unless you have a freestanding microphone somewhere like in the back of the stage that's just getting some of the crowd, unless you pull out one of your in-ears, you know, they deaden all the sound. So you feel like you're kind of playing underwater. And you just have to decide, is the trade-off worth it? And to play really people, it's worth it. Yeah, I'm going to make a joke here and say that so far with my band, crowd noise has not been an issue. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, all I'm saying is, no, I mean, we've, have, we've yeah. had some cool shows. We've had some really cool shows. But right. I've been lucky because like, I don't have a record out yet. So the shows I've played was... Honestly, because of this podcast, like because I made, oh, okay. I made a bunch of friends in the music industry or like, it's I don't know, I don't even want to call it the industry because it's like a lot of local bands and mm-hmm. you know, like DIY touring bands, not necessarily right. industrialized yet. But I've just, you know, I, made, I started the podcast so that I could make friends and not have to go to a million shows that I wasn't playing and just awkwardly go up to people and be like, hi, I'm Brian. Let's yeah. be friends. You know, musicians like talking about themselves. Like, I figured I'll start a podcast and make friends that way. And it worked. So I've played a bunch of shows without having a record out. And so, like, when I've played to a good turnout, it's because I was playing with other bands that mm-hmm. had more of a following. So hope hopefully with the record that comes out later this year, when shows start coming back, like, mm-hmm. we'll have our own following. And that'll be interesting. And I, this kind of brings me to a question that I like asking bands that were established and like have had success, like, because mm-hmm. I really look forward to like the first moment when like, I start to think like, wow, like someone, this is actually cool. And like this, like this show, this, this moment is happening because of something I did. And like, I'm wondering if you can remember any of like the first times, like, you went from like struggling to thinking like, oh, this could actually work. Like this could actually, right, right. you know what I mean? Does anything stand out? Well, yeah. So for me, it's a little different than money. It's definitely different than fame. It's definitely different than, you know, obviously we played Warp Tour. And we've played for like 50,000 people, you know, opening up at festivals and we've, we've done a lot of things, but the one mo- couple different moments, one big one was a tiny little cafe kind of show. And it was the first time, you know, 
we'd only been a band a few months, but it was the first time that we started playing our songs well. And do you know that term in the pocket when like everyone's oh, yeah. playing on the same beat? It's like you're riding a bike. Yeah. And like, I just felt the presence of God and I just felt at peace and I felt like I was where I belonged. And again, I was only 18, but this smile came on my face like, we're doing it. Like, and I can imagine it's like when you're trying to swim and then you do swim or when you're trying to fly a plane and you fly it, it felt like all eight of us had had liftoff, you know? And that was just, it secured me in my position of the band. It wasn't about the crowd or anything. It was just more about the relationships and the willingness of us eight to get to a point to make a song together and to play it live. Like the point from an idea to practice, to a song, to the instrumentation, to, you know, you don't even have to record it yet, but to pull it off, that's that's a lot of work. And that's the moment when I feel when you're playing on stage and you're in the pocket that, I mean, that's the part that's the cherry on top for me being in a band is when there's no more crowd. It's like not an us and them. It's like, we're all in this one accord. We're all in this one moment. We're all experiencing the song together and all of us are enjoying it. Yeah. I, I, I completely understand what you're saying there. And like, that's, that's why I play music in the first place is like the feeling I got originally, like in 10th grade playing with my buddy, Brad, on drums and the first time we would like we nailed a cover and we were yeah. just we realized like oh my god and then you start improvising together and when you can just read each other's minds and you hit mm-hmm. a transition together without planning it and you're like oh my god what is happening <laughs> like this is magic it, yeah it's, yeah it is I've had, I've had some of the most fun in music in rehearsal <laughs> you know yeah oh it's yeah like, feeling really good just the way it all sounds in rehearsal and then like i've had shows where i'm just like oh yeah yeah. because you're not on or you can't hear yourself but when you're in rehearsal and everyone's comfortable like that's so fun there's no pressure like it's almost like i want to be in a successful band so that i can keep having those like rehearsal moments and like having the camaraderie with the band and then the show's are just like a, an added bonus of like getting to just be friends with people that you're playing music with. So I, a couple of years ago, imagine. we had we had a band meeting and it's hard to be in this band because everybody's married. Most of us have kids, at least a couple of kids. Um, everybody else has a different career. So this this is a hobby. We do make some money, but most of the time we're breaking even because, you know, eight people flying out, merch, all this stuff. Yeah. But but the the band meeting, again, like we have one band member who's 50 now. All of us are in our mid to late 40s. One person's in his late 30s. So we're not, you know, spring chickens. And this takes a lot for most of the band to do this. They have to take all their vacation time. So that means that's vacation time they don't get with their family. Um, it's a massive sacrifice. It's not just fun, fun, fun. There's a lot on the line. And so we were having a band meeting in a hotel room. And it was... Some of us were fighting. Some of us were exhausted, just kind of feeling jaded. And we went around a circle and said, why do you still do this? Why are you still in this band? And the first person to talk basically said the thing that all of us thought, which was, because you guys are my best friends. You're my only friends. Like, I need this as an excuse to see all of you, to have, we would fly out one weekend a month and play, fly out on th- uh, Thursday, play a show Friday, Saturday, fly home on a Sunday and go back to work Monday morning. That's exhausting, but wonderful. And we all kind of agreed, like, 
no, dude, I would do this because I love you. I want to see you. After the show, we don't go out. We order some pizzas, maybe a six pack of beer and a bottle of whiskey and just watch YouTube videos. We love each other. We're dorks. We're nerds. You know, we're not rock stars. (laughs) <laughs> right. But that's the thing is, though, like even even rock stars, you know, like in a way you kind of are because like one, I've heard of you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like I think that's kind of what it's all about. Like I was listening to Dave Grohl on a podcast talking about how the Foo Fighters, even when they were got to the point where like they were flying on a private jet. Like they mm-hmm. still had like band inside jokes to where like they their rider for what they wanted on the jet was a bucket of KFC and cheap champagne. And like they would, <laughs> they would just eat chicken yeah. and champagne yeah. after every show. Oh, our writer says we want stuff for uh, this is our serious writer. OK, you want to hear it? Yes, please. OK, so we want peanut butter and jelly and bread. We want a veggie tray. We want some corn chips and hummus and salsa. And we want a couple six packs of whatever the cool local beer is, just local beer. Um, maybe some like seltzer water, a small tequila and a small whiskey and a, and a small fireball. <laughs> and that's, that's our writer. That's, I mean, keeping it. That's perfect. I mean, yeah. I mean, if for one person that would be excessive, but for eight people, that's, I feel like that's, well, that's pretty it's reasonable. Eight. <laughs> it's eight and usually a handful of spouses, yeah. spouses, yeah. spouses, and sometimes kids, but usually spouses for sure. We, we have a, just a big crew. We just have so many loving, awesome people. And it's fun when the wives come. It's just great for me to hang out with other women. And I love it. I just love everything about it. And it's sad because now I'm getting reminded that there's nothing on the books. <laughs> right. So I kind of wanted to ask, and I, I don't know how often you get this question or how, I mean, but like you mentioned earlier, when, you know, when you first started going on tour, being the only woman in the band and like your dad being concerned about that stuff, like, what was there like a learning curve of like being the only woman on the road in such like a male dominated industry or was like was your band kind of like your protector or like what was what was it kind of like that like that experience of like figuring out like how, where you fit in with all of it does that make sense yeah so a lot of the guys in the band um are more like really cool brothers to me i definitely have like two that i would say are more protector like um, and one of them is my cousin. So he's kind of more protector like because he's my second cousin. Gotcha. Uh, so he's always got my back. Uh, but for the most part, it's just like a brother slash friend kind of. I was more of a tomboy, so it never felt weird. I didn't feel catered to, but I also didn't feel like I wasn't part of the team. I've always felt like part of the team, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess with my band, it was always cool. The hardest part was when we toured with other bands because some of the guys in other bands would get crushes on me. <laughs> um, right. And some of them, some of them I even kind of dated, you know, tried dating, see what would happen, but they never really last. Cause it's more just attention during the tour. And then right. when you go your separate way, it's like, you're broke. You're not going to fly to see each other. It was just fun to hang out when we were on the road. Right. Right. Um, and it's also weird when it's a Christian band, because a lot of these guys, like you give them a little bit of attention and it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so smitten. And, it's right, like, it's just, we're friends. Like, it's just because there's 
you know, 80 guys <laughs> on this tour and like one woman, like, yeah, it's like the woman at the there. office type thing. And like a bunch of guys, like a, like a, I was talking to this girl recently who's like the only girl at a auto body shop. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you, you, when you're the only one there, it's like naturally so much attention is going to be drawn to you. And it's just, yeah, I think that's more what would happen. And then especially like on warp tour, just different tours, just have to keep your eye out. Cause most guys are pretty nice, but you can't ever really take anything for granted either. Like, you know, right. It's got to keep your eye out. And, but yeah. I will say that I'm, I'm happy. Like you talked about going on warp tour later when there was women on it on warp tour. When I was on it, there weren't very many women in bands. And one thing I'm happy about with five iron when we first started is that we were a band before visuals were a big thing. Like you didn't have social media, you know? And so, I mean, we didn't even have a website or any of that. So nobody knew what we looked like. So you didn't have to feel like you had to have makeup or look cool or whatever. You just wore whatever you were wearing that day when you went on stage. It wasn't like nobody was trying to be eye candy, put it that way. Right, I think that started, right, right. that did start happening when when emo happened. You know, like you get the used and you get like just, you know, showbread, some of these other bands that are more visual. But for ska bands, it could you really didn't. As far as our band, we didn't ever care. And so I'm glad that there wasn't all that pressure as a young lady for me to look a certain way. Right, right. Yeah, like we've had um, a couple like all all femme bands on, mm-hmm. on. Well, actually, I think only just one so far um, that was like all femme. But they were telling us just hilarious stories about like the way <laughs> I'm fascinated with like how like dumb and clueless some guys can be towards women especially in music and like they were just they were telling me about like this one guy like at a show was in the one of the other bands like they're playing a show with this band with all girls and mm-hmm. they would go this guy went up to her the bass player and was like showing her how to turn on her own amplifier <laughs> and like yeah, thought he yeah. was hitting on her you know what i mean <laughs> right right no i do know what you mean yes i'm like guy <laughs> come on Dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's just like I I think I think that is going more and more by the wayside. But it's just like obviously some it still happens, and I just think that that's just like that's fascinating to me. And you know that 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 guys have such horrible ideas that they think are good ideas. But I mean that's a whole other story. But um. (laughs) well, there's a good thing too about being the only woman, and a lot of times I get my own hotel room and being a mom. Ah, nice. Yeah, I mean it's awesome going on going on these flyouts, and I'm like fly out on a Thursday. I'm going to get a nice hotel room for two nights, and I'm going to go get coffee by myself. Maybe find like a local breakfast place. Maybe hang out with the band guys, but just take the longest shower possible. Like I, you know, most hotel rooms have two beds. So one, I just dump all my clothes everywhere. And then one is like for sleeping. (laughs) Just so fun to just have a little time to myself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. that's, I didn't even think about that, but that's awesome. Um, yeah. But before we wrap up here, cause we usually go about an hour and it's been about an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, I did want to, uh, just briefly like touch back on the, um, the new record, and just kind of mm-hmm. ask because you guys have put out so many different records, and you know, yes. you mentioned, like, <laughs> you've had some funny stuff. You had like a more serious record. I'm I'm just curious, like where you're at now, like kind of like what's the vibe, like thematically of like what what's, what's kind of yeah. being t- touched on in terms of lyrically, or like what what's the sort of idea behind this record? Our uh, lead singer Reese Roper, he's also writes the lyrics, and so 
I really feel he was coming from a place of we cannot stand by anymore and wait and watch uh, watch the political world implode because of anger and frustration and racism and just so many hypocritical things, especially in the American Christian church. And, you know, most of us in our band are Christians. And so it's almost like that thing where you're part of the club. You can kind of say, hey, guys, we're sucking. <laughs> we're, we're not doing a good job being Christ-like. So I think this was one of those times where we just kind of put on our big boy pants and Reese is saying it like he sees it. And it's kind of like a cry to everybody, whether you're a Christian or not, to say we can do better as a society. We have to do better as a society. We're not going to all get along. We're not going to have the same beliefs. but there are certain core beliefs that we shouldn't even be considering arguing about. They're just people deserve rights. People deserve love. People deserve equality. And so if we start at that base, we can do so much better. And yeah, that's kind of the main key points, but also there's a little bit of nostalgia thrown in there. Like I said, we also have these kind of Weezer-esque nostalgic songs and they're kind of peppered in there. And for me, that's a balance of, don't you remember when we were young and we had so much fun and right. things were lighter and now we have to be like all angsty in this political climate, which kind of sucks, but there's also stuff to celebrate. There's also really fun things about life and it's, life is not just a massive bummer. And so I think there's a little bit of those two pieces that honestly, if I'm really honest, they meld really well together, nostalgia and angst. And so I'm, I'm hoping that people enjoy the album I do. There you have it. We had like another minute that got cut off. Discord just didn't record the end of it. Um, so sorry if that ending felt abrupt. But yeah, that's uh, Leonor Ortega Till, saxophonist of Five Iron Frenzy. Again, check out their record, Until This Shakes Apart, um, streaming everywhere you find music. Um, it, you know, it's not your average scowl, I'll say that. And uh, follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Invite the neighbors on Instagram, ITN Pod on Twitter. Um, we have advertising space available. If you, our sponsor, Two Foot Parade Records, will tell you that the rates are very reasonable. Um, you heard them at, I mean, you heard they're at at the beginning of the podcast. Yours can be there too for a very reasonable rate. So just shoot us an email at invitetheneighbors at gmail.com. And thank you guys for listening. Please tell a friend about the podcast. Please rate or review on iTunes, sorry, um, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, the support really helps and uh, I, I really really appreciate you guys listening to this podcast it means a lot alright you guys have a good one